Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. We're into a European semi-final, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since 2009. I'm sure most of you will remember that. Of course, it was the Champions League against Manchester United. And, uh, well, it didn't work out very well for us, it's fair to say. The first game... Uh, We went and lost at Old Trafford. John O'Shea, I think, scored the goal. And then there was all this anticipation, wasn't there, for the the, uh, return leg at the Emirates Stadium. There were little flags everywhere. I remember the atmosphere being particularly good. Everyone was up for this because it was a European semi-final and... Again, it didn't work particularly well. Kieran Gibbs made a mistake. He slipped, actually, rather than made a mistake. And that allowed Park, I think, to score a goal. And then uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scored a free kick. Manuel Almunia should have done better. And I know that that's probably the takeaway people have of Almunia from those two legs. But my recollection is that he made... Over the course of those two games, four or five or six really good saves. Of course, in football, you're defined more often by your mistakes than what you do right. Those are the things that live longest in the memory, of course. Uh, Almunia making the saves doesn't live quite as long in the memory as Almunia flapping away at a free kick from, what was it? It was about 35, 40 yards. It was one of those where it was like, "Ah, he's not going to shoot from there. He's not. Nah, he might as well, though. I mean, keeper will have this if he's, oh, fuck. But that was our last semi-final experience. Not a pleasant one. And we'll find out later this morning who it is that we are going to face in the Europa League semi-finals. The potential opposition are Marseille, Atletico Madrid, and Salzburg. Now, uh, it would be nice if I could do a podcast this morning based around... Uh, the draw and being able to react to the draw. But unfortunately, time constraints mean I can't do that. I've got to get the podcast out before the draw. Uh, The draw is due to take place at 11 a.m. But of course, we know with uh, FIFA shenanigans and all their rerun, rulabula, that's Irish, by the way, uh, for complete bollocks. And by the time they get all that done, it'll probably be somewhere around half 12 next Monday. And I just can't hang around that long, I'm afraid. Uh, but look, we're here, and we are into the semi-final, and it's a thing to be enjoyed. It's a thing to be cherished. It keeps our season alive. We know now where the focus must be 100%. The Premier League now becomes irrelevant. And I know we're all going to get annoyed if we play poorly in the league, and if we lose a game, and when we let in goals, and all those kinds of things, because that's just normal people react that way when their team doesn't play well. But I think we really do have to compartmentalize what's left of this season. What we do in the Premier League, if we can win games, great. If we don't win games, well, look, it's not the be-all and end-all. It's not the end of the world. It's not going to make a huge difference as to where we're going to finish this season. It might make 
a few million difference in terms of prize money in the Premier League, but I'm not sure it's that considerable when you're talking about the difference between fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh. I think we probably still have it in us to finish sixth, even though Burnley are over our shoulders. The manager is going to rotate his squad for the Premier League games that remain one or two. He's probably going to have to go stronger than he might like because of the the quality of the opposition. There's a trip to Old Trafford, for example, that you don't want to go there and take a pounding because if United play full strength and we have to play a fairly weakened team because we've got a Europa League game, that makes things a little bit more tricky than if you're playing somebody like Huddersfield or whoever. I'm trying to look at the uh, the rest of our fixtures this season just to see how difficult they might be in the Premier League, getting them up here now. Uh, we have got uh, Newcastle on Sunday, West Ham at home, United away then, uh, followed by Burnley at home, which could be an interesting game. It, it might be a game that means something in terms of where we finish in the league. Leicester away and then uh, Huddersfield and of course between those uh, fixtures we've got Europa League fixtures to take care of as well so there's a lot going on but at least it keeps this season going you know we have something to aim for something to hope for something which would be a real achievement for for uh, the team for the club it would be great to have a european trophy and also to have champions league football it might make a big difference in terms of who we could recruit this summer that is a reality of of what that prize will bring if we can uh, if we can go all the way and win the final in leon in may but we're getting ahead of ourselves We have to find out who we're playing in the semi-final first, and we've still got lots to talk about in terms of what went on last night and over the course of these two legs. I'll be chatting to my guest now in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Just want to give some props this morning to uh, Mohamed El Neni, who provided two assists uh, against Moscow, Seska Moscow, on Thursday night. The first one, I mean sumptuous is the word I would use for that beautifully weighted what a pass first time into the path of Danny Welbeck who scored and it was uh, probably one of the best goals I think we've scored this season Welbeck's turn the drive inside the give and go the weight of the pass from El Nenny the finish and the timing of that goal was hugely important as well because at 2-0 down and if they had scored there would have been a desperation wouldn't there to the last 15 minutes or so from an Arsenal point of view we would have had to push up we would have had to score a goal because they were going through as it stood had they scored again and that goal just came at exactly the right time to calm the nerves to ensure that we didn't have a, a final 15 minutes which were backs to the wall with them pumping balls into our box uh, I felt at times that we were going to do well not to concede again it was about whether we could score and we did so props to El Nenny I thought he was absolutely fantastic particularly when we sorted out where he was going to play in the second half after shuffling him between the uh, the centre half sweeper position that he was asked to play at the start of the period um, he also got the assist for Aaron Ramsey's goal as well and over the last couple of weeks, uh, I think he's showed his value as a squad player. People looked at the contract renewal and thought, why, maybe? But you've got to have players like that in your squad, people who you can depend on, who can come into the team, play reliably, play consistently. You know what you're going to get from them, and you generally know what it is you're going to get with Mohamed Elneny. And there are times where he goes a little bit above and beyond that, as he did yesterday with his incision and some of his passing was brilliant. That aside, I also like to think of his name in kind of a Spanish way. So Elneny, El, of course, is the, when you're talking about the masculine. So he then becomes the Nenny. 
Mohammed the Nenny. He's the nennyest nenny we've ever had, and uh, I like what he's been doing. So keep it up, Mohammed the Nenny. You are uh, you are doing our midfield a service when perhaps others are falling by the wayside a little bit. It's good to have uh, players who can step up. Danny Welbeck, of course, somebody who's done that too in the absence of Henrik Mkhitaryan. But look, let's talk a bit more about uh, about last night, about the tie in general, where we go from here in Europe, and how we balance uh, domestic competition and European competition. I'm joined now by ES. ESPN's Arsenal correspondent, Matthias Karen. Hi, Matthias. Hello, hello. How are you? I, I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right. We were talking during the week uh, after what had happened, for example, with Barcelona, what had happened with uh, uh, Juventus and Real Madrid, how that nearly turned around. We were hoping that we weren't going to have a, a Russian disaster on our hands this morning. For a while, though, <laughs> it did look a little bit iffy, didn't it? Yeah, of course, nothing's ever straightforward with these gunners, is it? So it wasn't that surprising, really, to to see them up against the ropes a little bit. But uh, fortunately, with with the help of Danny Welbeck, that they, they came through, and at the end, it was it was fairly it was fairly comfortable for the last twenty minutes. It was quite uncomfortable for the previous. Uh, well, for the previous 30 at least. Yeah, I mean, the first half was, you know what it was for me? It was dull. It wasn't particularly interesting. And I was quite happy with that because uh, I felt like if the game was going to be a really interesting game or if there was a lot going on, it was probably because we were going to make a balls of it. Like, if we had scored early on, the game just becomes dead then because they would have need to score five goals. Um but because because there was nothing going on, maybe we got lulled into a false sense of security. I was quite okay with the dullness, though, is what I'm saying. And then they scored just before half time, and that changed the dynamic quite a bit, didn't it? Yeah, and I think you know Arsenal was were almost fortunate to to go into half time just one nil down because after that goal, there was a period of of sustained pressure from Moscow where they easily could have nicked the second one if they'd had a bit of luck or a bit more sharpness. So I think. That was one period when Arsenal were really up against the ropes, and obviously after that second goal, uh, you know it, it looked really dodgy there for for a while. But uh, this team has they've they've had a habit of responding in these situations in the Europa League. I mean they uh, they were almost up against the ropes against Leicester at home two 0 down, mm. but but uh, came back from that. Then we had the AC Milan game as well, where where they scored that goal at the Emirates, and and Arsenal responded immediately. So. You know, it's they keep give you know giving themselves uh, a difficult task when they don't really uh, need to, but then they also keep finding ways of, of responding. So uh, it's it, it, at least it makes things interesting. But <laughs> obviously, there's there's room for improvement there. Yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. I mean, do you see that in some ways as a positive? That I mean, I'm not trying to clutch for straws or say that every cloud has a silver lining. Obviously, we we would prefer if we didn't make the situations difficult for ourselves. But is there something, given that this is part of our makeup, it's a fundamental part of Arsenal's DNA, it appears to be to make life difficult for yourself. Is there a positive to be taken from the fact that when we do, we are capable of responding? Well, it's it's a positive in the sense that they know they have that in them if if they're up against that same situation in the semifinals, for instance. And mm. let's face it, if they if they uh, come up against a better team than uh, uh, than Moscow or, or AC Milan, then then they will need uh, you know that ability to respond because I think better teams would would make more of the opportunities than than the likes of AC Milan and, and Moscow have done against Arsenal because 
you know, their defense has looked shaky, I think, in the last two two ties, even though they've gotten away with it to a large extent. Yeah. What did you make of the the way we began the second half? So we go in, we're 1-0 down. We still have that two-goal lead on aggregate. And before the game, Arsene Wenger talked about being positive, that the best way to go about the game was to be positive, was to try and play uh, the kind of football we want to play, score a goal, of course, and it becomes a really difficult challenge for, uh, for Seska. But we started very cautiously. It was like that first goal inhibited us in a way. We saw Mohamed Elneny sit back into this kind of I won't say third center half, but it's almost like a sweeper position that when they have the ball, he sat deep between the two center halves. Uh, and it invited pressure on us, I think. I don't know that it was the the right way to approach that second half. I mean, I understand being a little bit cautious, but they didn't really cause us that many problems in the first half with the formation that we'd gone with. We then concede a second goal. We immediately push Elneny back into midfield. Then he seems to sit back in as a centre half again. And then we made a substitution where we took off Jack Wilshire, put on Callum Chambers, and definitely moved to a, a back three or three centre halves anyway. I'm not sure that those tactical shifts really did a lot to uh, to help us control the game in any way and, and, and could, in fact, have been quite damaging because after they'd scored the second goal... They had a really good opportunity to score a third and only a good save by Petr Cech from a free kick kept the score at 2-0. Yeah, and I think part of the problem there was the fact that when Elneny moved back, as, as you said, almost as a third centre-back, it left Jack Wilshire and Aaron Ramsey as the two central midfielders. And, you know, let's face it, they're not you know defensive midfielders in, in, in any sense. And yeah. uh, Wilshire in particular was, was struggling badly last night. And I think he was maybe part of the problem and, and part of the reason why that those tactics didn't really work and obviously that's also why Wenger took Wilshire off to, to put Chambers on and that way he could move Elneny back up in midfield and after that I think it worked a lot better but we saw that tactical switch too you know mid-game where, where he switched to a back three with Elneny playing there and I think it was against Chelsea in the uh, in the uh, League Cup semifinals maybe mm. uh, where, where it actually worked fairly well and, and shored up the defense and, and made Arsenal more more solid. So it's something he's tried before. Yesterday, yeah, it didn't really work according to plan, but I think maybe Wilshire struggles was, was part of the reason for that. Yeah, it, it's uh, become a, a feature, hasn't it, over the last few weeks, Jack Wilshire's struggles with form. It's clear he's not playing anywhere near as well as we would like him to, and I think it's becoming more and more apparent that Jack Wilshire is now at a position or at a point in his career where he is never going to be the player that we all hoped that he was going to be. You know, this precocious talent that came out of the Arsenal Academy, brilliant ability, technically a great footballer, uh, but his injuries uh, at 26 years of age really appear to have caught up with him. Uh, I wonder in some ways if we're we're in a, a situation where everything around Jack Wilshire is amplified a bit too much one way or the other. Like, I think he's been poor in recent games, but I don't think he's been quite as terrible as people have said. Similarly, though, when he was when he was in the team earlier on in the season, I thought he was... I thought he was all right, but not as good as people were saying he was. You know, I think you look at the numbers. If you look at the numbers between himself and Aaron, Aaron Ramsey, what they produce for the team, and I know they're different players, but what they produce ultimately is a, a good measure of where we are with those two players and, and where we should be 
prioritizing. I think Ramsey's into double figures now for goals. He's 10 goals and nine assists. Jack Wilshire, I think, has only got three or four assists and maybe one goal. I can't remember. I mean, Aaron Ramsey has more Premier League goals this season than Jack Wilshire has in his entire career. Uh, it is becoming a situation that needs some clarity, I think. Do, what, what's your feeling on Jack and, and where it's going to end up? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a tough one because it's it's surprising in a way that he has struggled so, so much in recent games. Maybe it's maybe it's partly fatigue. I mean, he has. It's been a while since he was playing regularly, week in and week out at this level, uh, and so maybe it's just fatigue, fatigue setting in towards the end of the season. Obviously, he had some very good games uh, earlier this campaign, as as you mentioned. Uh, but obviously, also as you said, everything gets blown out of proportion with him, and I think maybe the uncertainty uh, surrounding his future and even this summer with the, with the World Cup may be maybe playing on his mind a bit too. Obviously, his contract situation is still up in the air, and and you know these recent performances uh, haven't really strengthened his hand much in in, in terms of the ne- negotiations there, but. Uh, yeah, I mean Aaron Ramsey now. He's I think yes, last night's game goal uh, means he's now tied with Cesc Fabregas as the highest scoring midfielder ever for Arsenal. Which central sort of, central midfielder, yeah, I think. We central central midfielder, yeah. yeah. Which sort of tells you, you know, his contributions have have been um, much more significant uh, this season and over the years than than Wilshere. So. Uh, I think Jack still has has a role to play at Arsenal. Obviously, you know he's got leadership abilities, but we also saw against Southampton uh, this past weekend that his temper can can get him in trouble sometimes. That was a bit pretty strange situation there, where mm. he with the shirt tugging on on uh, Stevens, where he easily could have landed himself and the team in in some trouble. So I think that there seems he seems to be just as frustrated with his current form as as some of the fans. So it'll be interesting to see if he can if he can come back to his best. Yeah, I know our, our options aren't particularly great at the moment, but you, you wonder if maybe a spell out of the team and out of the spotlight and giving him a little bit of a rest, a chance to, to uh, recharge his batteries a little bit might be uh, a decent thing for him. But that's the manager's decision. The manager is picking the team and he's picking it with Jack Wilshire in it at this moment in time. Uh, perhaps because he feels like he needs Jack's experience or because he just doesn't uh, feel like the alternatives are, are going to produce much more than Jack does. But uh, I think we may we may see a little bit of a change in that regard. One midfielder who is playing very well, though, and who has played very well over the last uh, number of weeks in particular, uh, I think he's been solid all season, is Mohamed Elneny. He's becoming an increasingly popular character. I think players can ident- or fans rather can identify very easily with a guy who's perhaps not the technically technically the best player they've ever seen, who doesn't necessarily uh, always threaten in terms of end product, although he has added some of that to his game in the last little while. But what they really can identify with and get behind is a player who gives you 100% and you know, I know we're talking intangibles, but he's a guy when you look at him play you never get the sense that he's not trying, that he doesn't do anything but leave every bit of himself out on that pitch in terms of the running that he does. There was one moment late on in the game, I think, where he chased back a Moscow player, took the ball out of his own half, was heading towards halfway. This is about the 80, 85th minute. And then he's chasing back, wins the tackle, wins the ball, draws a foul, 
you know, play stops, pressure's off a little bit on Arsenal. Uh, and he really is, uh, he really is enjoying some good form at the moment. Yeah, I think he, in many ways, he's the ultimate squad player because, yeah. uh, you know, we all know he, he doesn't really have the skills and the technical ability that you would expect from, from an Arsenal central midfielder, maybe. But he does have that work ethic, as you said, and he never complains when he's not in the starting lineup. I think he accepts uh, his role that, you know, maybe he is largely a, a backup when everybody is fit and available. But whenever the manager needs him, he's there and he will do whatever role. Uh, that Arsene Wenger wants him to do. We saw him, you know, his versatility last night, where he could play in a back three these days and drop back to to, to give them more solidity. And and uh, he is a decent decent option in midfield. He he doesn't have the playmaking ability that Granit Xhaka has, but we saw with that assist uh, for Welbeck's goal that he can he can pull something special out of the bag every now and then as well. So. A lot of times it's, you know, you, you think he, there's too too much sideways passing when Eleni is on the, on the pitch. Sometimes it feels like he sort of uh, hinders the, the attack a little bit because, you know, maybe he plays things too simply a lot of times. But um, he's, he's also, you know, a very safe option. His, his uh, pass completion is always up there in the mid-90s in terms of percentage so yeah. he very rarely makes any notable mistakes and uh, I think that's also part of the reason why Arsene Wenger feels that he can trust him. Yeah but I think we have to give credit where it's due here. Uh, the last number of weeks we have seen some Elneny performances where the passing has been a bit more ambitious, where there has been a bit more incision uh, and creativity in the way that he's played. And maybe that's part of uh, him developing. Maybe it's part of why we've given him a new deal. Arsene Wenger has spotted that there is maybe a bit more to his game than this safety first option that that, that he is. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying that as a criticism of him. Sometimes you do need a player who can be safety first and who will maintain possession and help you keep the ball moving, etc., etc. But the pass for Welbeck's goal, I have to say, was absolutely sublime. You know, he laid it off perfectly first time. Number one, he saw the pass, which is not necessarily something you'd associate with him, the vision, but the the technical ability to be able to to play that pass so perfectly into the path of Welbeck. He never even had to break his stride to, to finish. Uh, you know, I think he deserves great credit for that as well. Yeah, it was it was Erzileski in many ways, wasn't it? I mean, the way of the pass was fantastic, and and we had seen an example earlier in that game that it's not as easy as, as it looks to make those passes. Welbeck tried to to play Aaron Ramsey through in a, in a fairly similar position with a with a yeah. similar type of pass. Yeah. he just put too much on it, and it went straight to the goalkeeper. Ramsey couldn't get onto it, so it's not an easy pass to make. But he pulled it off perfectly, and uh, we've seen a few, a few more examples of of similar through balls that he has made in, in recent games. So he does have that, that ability when, when he, um, uh, when he, when he tries to, to pull it off. So, uh, I, I was fairly surprised. I must say when Arsenal did offer him a new contract, there was talk last summer that, you know, they were willing to, to sell him to, to Leicester. And, uh, obviously holding midfield has been one of Arsenal's weak areas for many years and I still think they, they need an upgrade in that position Yeah, uh, I don't think Granit Xhaka is, is the player they need and in many ways I don't think Elneny is the player they need in terms of uh, you know their, their first choice holding midfielder I, I, I still would like to see uh, Arsenal really 
go into the transfer market this summer with that as one of their priorities. But mm. I think he's he's proven in recent weeks that he does have a role to play for sure in the squad. No, I agree with that completely. I think central midfield is an area which needs an upgrade. It needs an addition of real quality to it. But at the same time, you've got to have guys like El Elneny in the squad who can come in and do a job who are, if not necessarily completely content with being a squad player, understand their role and understand what they can bring to the team in, in various circumstances. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like you, I was a little bit surprised that there was a new deal on the table because he didn't sign that long ago. But maybe they're preparing for other departures from the central midfield area and feel like they have to uh, they have to maintain some kind of consistency in terms of the players that we've got there. Um, Danny Welbeck, let's talk Danny Welbeck, a guy whose career at Arsenal has been, like so many other players, punctuated by injury. Um, do we perhaps underestimate the difficulty both in terms of the mental side of things and the physical side of things of constantly battling against a big injury, having to come back, suffering those little niggles here and there, uh, and being unable to build any kind of rhythm and momentum when you're playing football. Like you play a few games, you're out again, you're catching up, you're trying to get match fit. It feels like Welbeck has been battling against that for, for ages now, that he's been in and out and he's had a run here and then he's missed a month or two or a week or two. And we're seeing perhaps a different Danny Welbeck now that he's staying relatively fit and also because there's a bit of responsibility on him now as well yeah i think the mental aspect of that can easily be underestimated and i think that's really weighed on danny welbeck this season he he came back you know he had a full off season for the first time in a few years so he entered this campaign with uh with big hopes and big expectations and then he had a couple of of smaller muscle injuries along the way early on and i think those really affected maybe his mindset of of just what he can do on the pitch and i it can't be easy when you've been been out injured for as long as he has over the last couple of years to 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 go on the pitch and not really trust your body uh where you're not quite sure if if you make that you know full-on sprint Mm. will will your will your muscles cope with that or not And, and i think uh, you know, obviously, we've seen Welbeck struggle for form for for much of this season up until these last few weeks, uh, and I think that's really been been part of that. Maybe now he's he's uh, he's getting to the stage where where he trusts his body again, and you know, he yesterday he he looked full of ambition and and energy as he always does, and uh, you know, he's added some end product to that over the last few games as well, and that's. That's really something that that he's needed to to add to his game, and obviously it comes at a very good time yeah. uh, of the season for Arsenal. Yeah, I was just going to say that if there's a time for a player to find some form, it's right now when there's still something to play for, and there is definitely still something to play for with this Europa League campaign. Henrik Mkhitaryan is out injured, won't be back for another couple of weeks anyway. There's no Alexis Sanchez anymore. There's no Theo Walcott anymore. There's no Olivier Giroud anymore. So there is an onus on players like Welbeck who are there now and who are being brought into the team because we need them to actually uh, produce. And, you know, credit to him. I think it's five goals in his last five games. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, Aubameyang is, is cup-tied in the Europa League, too. And yeah. uh, we're, we're still not sure whether Mkhitaryan will be fit for the semifinals. It, it sounds like he's facing a race against time to get over his knee problem. So 
Welbeck could certainly have a massive role to play once again in the semifinals. What did you make of, uh, just very quickly before we move on, what did you make of Alexandre Lacazette last night? He seemed unhappy to be substituted, uh, and you can understand why no player likes to be taken off, but... Uh, you know, based on the performance, I, I don't know that he could really have uh, too many complaints. I thought he was quite peripheral. Yeah, he was. And, and you know, it's it's hard to know how much of that you should put on the striker and how much of that you should put on his teammates. Because yeah. obviously, you know, he's very reliant on, on the midfielders creating chances for him. And, you know, let's be honest, they, they weren't exactly doing a great job of that. So he didn't really have much service to work with. But... He also didn't find ways of getting himself involved in the attack. You know, we've seen him drop deeper sometimes to to uh, to get on the ball more and try to get himself uh, involved in the build-up, and, and he wasn't really doing much of that either. So it wasn't a, a very impressive performance for him, but it also wasn't the easiest of games because obviously Arsenal went into that match mostly focused on on being solid defensively and not conceding and not really being that adventurous in attack so it wasn't uh, you know the easiest of games for for any striker yeah. i think uh, but yeah as you said the body language when he was taken off you could tell he was frustrated and and you know we've seen that before from him this season wenger obviously has has a habit of taking him off with 15 20 minutes to go and he hasn't been that happy about it in the yeah. past either so uh, it wasn't that surprising to, to, to see him look frustrated again. But as you said, he can't really have too many complaints. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The other thing I want to talk about, I don't want to talk about our defense because <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've spoken enough about the defense in the, in the last few podcasts between Mustafi. I don't think Koscielny was great last night either. Uh, the mistakes are the mistakes. And I think we're not that we're going to have to learn to live with them, but this is what we get from these players at this moment in time. But I do want to ask you about the goalkeeping situation. David Ospina would normally play in Europe. I've been of the opinion that uh, Petr Cech should be our goalkeeper in Europe. If he's considered the number one goalkeeper at the club, and this is the number one priority then uh, he he should play I thought he was found wanting for the second goal for the first goal I thought it was a really good save I think he was let down a bit by his defenders who stood watching I thought that first one was a really good save I thought it was a mistake for the second he should have been stronger and pushed that ball further away but at the same time he made a very good save from that free kick to keep it at 2-0 so where, where do you stand on this particular issue I mean it feels like really if I'm being completely honest we might as well just flip a coin to see who plays in goal because the difference between the two keepers is not that great. 
Yeah, I agree fully with your assessment of those two goals, and that's that's sort of summed up Peter Cech's season in many ways. He has pulled off a number of excellent saves for Arsenal, where where the you know he's saved some points, uh, uh, but at the same time he's also made a few pretty uncharacteristic mistakes. If you look at how solid he's been throughout most of his career, I think mm. uh, the the you know the number of big mistakes from him has have gone up this season, and that's worrying. You know, you never know if it, is that related to his age or or his focus or or something else. Uh, so yeah, I think you know Arsene Wenger always says he has two world class goalkeepers, and I <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think he has two solid goalkeepers who are both capable of of pulling off fantastic saves, but who also both have some weaknesses and, and are prone to mistakes. I think, you know, Ospina, if he was two or three inches taller, maybe he would be a world-class goalkeeper because he's a great short uh, shot stopper. But I think, you know, he's, he's, he's a bit too short uh, yeah. compared to most modern goalkeepers to, to really be up there with the best of them. And I think, you know, he's, he's a bit weak in the air and then he struggles a bit with the, uh, you know, curling shots from, from from distance that are just out of his reach. So, uh, yeah, I think both. Uh, that's it's another area I think where Arsenal need to to look on the transfer market this this yeah. summer to see if they can make an upgrade. I was going to ask you, yeah, is that somewhere you feel like we we could improve this summer? Certainly, it's. Uh it's somewhere I think we need to pay some close attention to ahead of next season. So let's hope that uh, let's hope these new behind the scenes guys are are doing what they need to do, and uh, we have some targets lined up. But look, we are in a European semi final for the first time since two thousand and nine. It is a very positive development. Uh, the Europa League in itself is is a prize I think that Arsenal should be after. You know, our European pedigree is such that we can't afford to be sniffy or snobby in any way about a European trophy, uh, whether it's uh, the one everybody wants or not. I think that's secondary. You know, what what stands out for me, uh, Matthias, is the, the fact that we spend years and years and years and years in the Champions League and we all know how that went for us, particularly in the last six or seven years. We looked a long, long way from a team that could compete for that trophy, right? That, you know, we, we'd have some good nights, we'd have some good results uh, along the way, but genuinely, we looked a long way from a team that could actually compete for that, for that title uh, realistically. Now we're in a competition where we're in the semifinals, and you look at the opposition, Atletico Madrid obviously are a great team. The other potential opponents at the time of recording are Salzburg and, uh, and Marseille. You know, we're, I don't want to say we found our level, but we found a competition in which we can be competitive. Yeah, it's, and, you know, it's it's funny in some ways because people seem to view the Europa League mainly as, as a means to an end for Arsenal in terms of qualifying for the Champions League, that, you know, they need to win the competition in order to get back into the Champions League. But let's not lose, lose sight of the fact that winning a European trophy in itself is, is a massive achievement, regardless of, of whether, you, yeah. you know, Champions League football would, would be a part of that or not, which, in you know, in, in many previous years it hasn't been. But, you know, and maybe back then the Europa League was, was sniffed at a bit more. But, uh, yeah, I mean, trophies are trophies. Every team wants to win them, and they're not easy to come by. Let's, let's you know, let's look at some of the teams that have been in the Europa League over the past few years and didn't, weren't able to to win it. I mean, Liverpool came up short in, in the final 
obviously Spurs have been in it, uh, you know, for many years with, with, without winning it. So it's not an easy trophy to come by, and uh, it's you know neither is the FA Cup. Let's face it, and winning that three times in four years is, is a big achievement as well. We all know Arsenal fans want bigger things; they want the Premier League and and they want to be they want the Champions League and they want to at least be competitive in those two competitions, which Arsenal haven't been lately. So, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's not uh, view this competition as as something to to sniff at. Yeah, for sure. So, j- just very finally, how do you see Arsene Wenger approaching the rest of of this season domestically? Because it's clear now that all our eggs have got to be in this European basket. There's no point in risking players in the Premier League when uh, the achievement of finishing fifth pales into insignificance uh, with the achievement of actually winning the, the, the Europa League. Because of the two prizes you get, you do get this entry into the Champions League and, of course, the trophy itself. Is he going to really rotate, do you think, for these uh, remaining Premier League games? Like the likes of Aaron Ramsey, Lauren Koscielny, even Mesut Ozil, uh, he's going to have to t- uh, wrap them in cotton wool a bit, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw that last week against Southampton. He rested those players you mentioned, and I think you will see a similar team uh, this weekend as well at Newcastle. I think you know the many of the players who played last night will probably be rested or on the bench for that one. Uh, what's going to be interesting is that you know for the semifinals, in between the two legs of the semifinals, Arsenal travel to Old Trafford. Uh, to play Manchester United. Mm. And obviously, Arsenal fans will want to see a competitive team in that game. They don't want to be blown out 8-2 again at Old Trafford. And, you know, obviously a game against Mourinho is always is always that extra extra bit of prestige when, when it's Wenger against Mourinho. But uh, I think uh, Wenger will have to make some tough decisions in that one. And I think he, he uh, we might see a similar situation to, to last season when Man United came to the Emirates and uh, Mourinho fielded a weekend team because it was yeah. right right at the time when he was going for the Europa League trophy. And obviously Arsenal were able to win that game fairly comfortably for, for Wenger's first competitive victory against Mourinho. And I think we might actually see a mirror image of that situation this season where, where Arsenal traveled to Old Trafford and uh, basically play a, a second string team for that one. Mm. Well, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> well, look. Yeah, I mean, we've seen how that can end up in, in the past uh, when when Arsenal go to, to Old Trafford with, yeah. with the team. So, yeah, that could, could be an interesting one. But obviously it's it's difficult because you don't want to go there and get blown out right before a, a crucial uh, semifinal because it can't yeah. dent your confidence as well. And so it's it's a difficult balancing act that, that Wenger will have to get right. Yeah, I think we may just have to compartmentalize the Europa League and the Premier League and, and decide that whatever happens in the Premier League is more or less irrelevant as long as we're making progress in Europe. Uh, yeah. if, if that's the trade-off, you know, would you take a would you take a defeat at Old Trafford? I don't mean get a pounding, but you, you know, would you take a defeat at Old Trafford if it meant you went through to the Europa League final? I think you would. That's the trade off at this point, and th- those are the, the the decisions that the manager is going to have to make. Um, and there will be some 
I guess, kick back if we don't do well at Old Trafford or if it turns out to be a, a, a bad result. There will, of course, be kickback to that. But I think we have to bear in mind that there are there are bigger fish to fry um, for what remains of this season. But look, we better leave it there. Matthias, pleasure talking to you. Thanks a million. All right, great. Thank you. Thanks very much to Matthias. You can find him on Twitter at Matthias Karen. That's at Matthias Karen, And he writes about Arsenal for ESPN FC. So... That's kind of that for this morning because uh, I've got to rush off and go into my uh, studio in town and do a recording, which is why I can't hang around for the uh, Europa League draw and put this podcast out after the draw and get some reaction. But James and I will give some reaction on Monday in the Arscast Extra. We can talk about whoever it is that we get, whether it's Atletico Madrid, Marseille or Salzburg. I mean, ideally, somebody else would get Atletico Madrid and knock them out. But uh, at this point of this competition, you can't take anything for granted. They're all good teams. They're all going to be difficult games and it's going to be tough to win it whoever you face so uh, we'll wait and see what happens we'll have the news on Arsblog News and of course I'll react to that uh, on tomorrow's main blog on arsblog.com as well what else to tell you we've got Newcastle on Sunday away trip as I just spoke about with Matthias I think we're going to rotate pretty heavily for that more chances for young players perhaps uh, we could see Reese Nelson get another game Joe Willock come into central midfield because central midfield is going to be an area uh, where we're short uh, because of uh, Aaron Ramsey being nursed through Jack Wilshire's form and fatigue, uh, El Nenny and Jacka being ill as well this week. So we may see some action in there. But look, we can talk about that more as the weekend progresses on the site as well as that. So look, thank you as ever for listening. If you want more stuff to listen to and you're not already an Arsblog member on Patreon, you can sign up for just five euros a month plus VAT and get lots more podcasts. There was a phone show this week. There are episodes of My Arse talking episodes of My Arse. It sounds ridiculous when you say it, but there you go. Uh, talking to Arsenal fans like Mark Strong, Bernard Butler, Tim Wheeler from Ash. There's an Invincibles History podcast. There's loads more to come on there as well. So if you're not a member, sign up for five euros a month. It helps support everything we do on Arsblog, and we really do appreciate it. So I'm going to leave it there. Uh, we will have an Arsecast Extra on Monday. Join myself and James for that. Until then, have a good one. Cheers. Bye-bye. I was sitting there, minding my own business, not taking credit for other people's good work when the guy walked into the office. What do you want, mister, I said. He replied, and I was dumbfounded. I couldn't understand a word he was saying. What was this strange dialect he was speaking? Eventually, my highly developed linguistic abilities allowed me to attune my ears to understand what it was he was telling me. 
So let me get this straight, I said. You're insisting you did a thing, despite the fact there's no evidence that you actually did the thing, and we're supposed to believe you. Why? Because you'd sacrifice your own child? He made some noises, which I considered to be a reply in the affirmative. Look, mister, I said. The first thing you can do is stop drooling on my floor. I just had them polished. The second thing you can do is get the fuck out of here, Harry Kane. Everyone knows you didn't touch the ball. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.